Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reading The Taming of Jesse Rose by Beverly Jenkins. This was published in 2009 and is a standalone? I think so. We think. <laughs> so, uh, the jacket. No man could tame her. Jesse Rose Clayton would do anything to keep the family ranch from falling into the wrong hands, even agree to take on a rough-and-tumble outlaw as her protector. With his rugged, handsome face and muscular, bronze body, Griffin Blake can draw a sigh from a lady's lips almost as fast as his strong, sculpted arm can draw a gun from its holster. But Jesse Rose has no intentions of falling for his charms. No, her relationship with him is strictly business. Until he came along. Robbing the railroad is Griffin Blake's game, but he has no choice. Either he agrees to help Jesse Rose or he gets sent back to jail. So he arrives at the ranch ready to help the ornery female protect her land. But underneath Jesse's all business exterior is a femininity she's kept hidden for far too long making Griffin think it might be time to tame this wild Texas rose. They left a lot of stuff out of this book jacket. I don't even get into why she needs the protector and like yeah. why he has to help her to get his freedom. Yeah. Other than that though, like other than the reason they're forced together, I don't have a problem with what gets left out because frankly, I think it's too convoluted for a book jacket. It's a really complex plot. Honestly, it, 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 there's a, there's a really simple plot, which is basically that Jesse Rose needs some help and Griff comes to help her. And along the way they fall in love. Right. But when you scratch beneath that surface, there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of like small town interpersonal drama and politicking for several generations that yes. ends up being relevant. So it's, it's we're going to do our best to review this spoiler free. And I actually think we're going to be able to do it. But I do think we're going to make it sound oversimplified in doing so. So know that there's a lot of B and C plots, both in the present and past that are playing into the resolutions. Yeah. There are a lot of side characters, too, like a lot of side characters. Yeah, because not only do you have all of her townspeople that she knows, but you have his outlaw friends and connections with the U.S. Marshals. So it's it's a long list. It's a long list. And this book, it's not like a long romance novel. So, yeah. So, uh, as usual, we wrote our own summaries to try to do it better than the book jacket. And the random number we generated this week was 34. So, Meg, what was your 34-word summary? Train robber Griff leaves jail as a U.S. Marshal. Jesse Rose is protecting her family's ranch so she can pass it along to her nephew. They meet, fall in love, and foil an evil plan. That's the simple summary, for sure. That's the simple summary, yes. Right. So mine, Robin Hood gets freedom in exchange for helping a widowed rancher protect her nephew and her property. But apparently the night watch is unnecessary once he's on the scene. So sexy times proceed uninterrupted. <laughs> so, so yes, Lane and I highlight a lot of the same plot elements. Basically that she's a rancher 
she needs protection. She's got a nephew. But Lane really pushed on the sexy times, which, to be fair, I think is one of the strengths of the book. I liked their relationship. And so I liked the sex because of that. The scenes are relatively short and I'd say pretty run of the mill in terms of explicitness. Would you say they're tame? (laughs) So um, LOL, this taming of the shrew pun in this. Okay, this is not Shakespeare. I'm just going to put this out there. It's not Shakespeare, but it's also like not has no relationship with Taming of the Shrew either. Not really, no, other than her being a little brash in the beginning. No, there's no comparison with the plot of Taming of the Shrew. None. So does that that's not in there at all. Also, before we get into our discussion of tropes, I just need to say that he is described in detail as having like mid-tone reddish bronze skin and red hair and a full beard and the guy on the cover of the book jacket has none of the features yeah I have to tell you like that was one of my favorite parts of this book I 100% like googled what he might look like and I was like yeah he's hot like Griff Griff is hot I, I believe that reading the text the book jacket artist did a bad job yeah I mean, the guy in the book check, it's not, he's not bad. He just doesn't look like Griff. Right. It's, I, if you just showed me that jacket and took away the title and said, like, what characters are here, I would not go with this. Because her hair is described as short, and the woman on the book jacket has flowing dark locks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's described as being bronze-toned with red hair and full facial hair. And the guy on the cover of the jacket is pretty dark with just a close cropped dark haircut and clean shaven like these two characters on the book jacket versus who they are in the books are unrecognizable yeah and I mean we see that I would say that happens more in the older books like older covers I would say nowadays historical romance especially they're really trying to make the characters look like who you see who you would perhaps imagine um, I mean, just thinking of one that we recently reviewed, Beauty and the Blacksmith, like they look like you might imagine them to be. And I think that's a real shame that they that they didn't go for that production value here. In the same way that I'm going to criticize it when the scars are vis- visible on the wrong side of the body or not visible where they should be. I'm yeah. going to criticize it when you go to great detail, describe very hot people to me. And then those people are not on the cover. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember, you know, I, there's this Amanda Quick book that I that I really like. Um as, as I do like most of her 90s stuff. But um, in the book, she has, um, she has like a pixie cut. And uh, in the step back, she's got the long hair. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. So this book does have some tropes, even though, as you might have gotten from the jacket, I, it, it takes place in Texas post-Civil War. And so it's not our usual <laughs> England times Fair. Yes. So it is a historical romance. It is a Western. I mean, it's, it's a Western romance, which is not our typical. Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say I, it's not typically something we would just pick up. Uh, one of the reasons that I decided to read this book is because uh, I read about it and it does have one of my favorite tropes, which is the older woman, younger man. <laughs> 
Yeah, so she's supposed to be a little over 30, and he's supposed to be about 25. Yes, and um, I don't know. I just, I always love it when, like, Griff has no problem attracting women. Like, he's a ladies' man. He's been he's been planning on continuing as a ladies' man. And when I say ladies' man, I mean, I guess he's like a rake, but I felt like I believed it more in this book that he could actually, like, pull some ass whereas like the rakes I read about I'm like yeah they just paid for it in a brothel you know <laughs> and then I'm like the women here they're like the reason they're with Griff is because Griff is hot and they want to be with Griff not because he's well, and he says he's he's a criminal he's a train robber and so he when discussing his past exploits with Jesse really does point out like we all knew the terms yeah I wasn't in towns making promises to women I was in the saloon for a night and took somebody home. Yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorite little details is that, so he was in jail and then who busted him out of jail was like the sheriff's wife. And daughter. And daughter. (laughs) I, I, it was just so great. It was so funny. No, but you totally, the biggest strength of this book is you totally buy the two of them, their attraction, their understanding of one another's past. Like, it, they work very, very well together. And you buy that she's an older woman who hasn't had a lot of joy in her life, especially not a lot of joy from men. Mm-hmm. And so his youthful exuberance is good for her. Well, and you also buy that he, he's, this is the, the trope, I, I don't even know if it's a trope, but this is the guy who wasn't planning on settling down. It's like when he meets her, he's like, oh, oh actually, this is the one for me. He's going to change his entire life for her. Right. Not because she asks him to do it, but because he's like, nope, this this is who I want to be with. Maybe I don't just want to be like a train robber in Mexico having sex with randos. Yeah, which I mean, did sound like a pretty great life, I guess. At least a young Griff. Right. So the this slightly elaborated version of the core plot is that Jesse is the last landowner in her town, holding out on selling to the richest guy in town whose plan is to sell to the railroad. Yep. And in order to get the land, the richest guy in town previously murdered Jesse's father. And now he has made it clear that he is going to kick Jesse and her nephew, who she is raising, off the land by hook or by crook. And has been terrorizing them for a while. So Jesse's nephew writes to a sheriff pen pal friend he has describing the situation. The sheriff pen pal goes to one of his buddies who's in jail, Griff, and says, hey... I'm going to give you actual legal authority to go down and help these two people out. And so they're working together to expose the richest guy in town for the evil mastermind he obviously is and protect Jesse, her nephew, and their land. Yeah. And along the way, they fall in love. Um, pretty fast. And they actually yeah. pull it up in the text because they're in love and engaged after like two weeks. Yeah. And Jesse's like, isn't this crazy? And the town crazy old lady medium is like, no, sometimes lightning strikes and burns forever. 
And you're like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to question that. <laughs> well, I love the the town witch, I guess, the town wise woman. She yep. like meets him and she's like, you seem a little young for her, but eh, you'll be good. Well, I also love that there's a town wise woman and then like Griff is kind of a seer. Yeah, yeah, Griff like has. Only in his dreams, but they're also has... not that accurate. Yes, yes, yes. I was wondering about that myself. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what was going on there. Um, oh. So there are a couple of sex-specific tropes that we see in the text. Yes. He throws her this big birthday dinner, and the whole time he's watching her with, you know, hunger in his eyes, but she knew it wasn't for the food. Yeah, even though the food was, like, really awesome. Really awesome. Um, yeah. They also make a sex bet. Yes. Which yes. is, like, so, in a cave and have to have sex first. Yeah, but they, they never really set the terms. No, they don't. Like, so what happens if whoever loses, you know. Whoever yeah. loses gets slayed? I don't know. I know, right? It's like, okay, well, it doesn't sound that, that bad. Which, to be fair, is also perhaps my favorite kind of sex bet. I would like there had to have been something more on the line. Yeah, I, I really don't care. <laughs> Fine. Uh, <laughs> <I'm easy. laughs> uh, daddy issues. Um, they, they, well, they don't both have daddy issues. She has daddy issues. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a dad. He kind of has dead mom issues, but not because he didn't love his mom. He has issues because he loved his mom. She had, like, abusive daddy issues who never saw her as enough. She's like the duke in the story on the ancestral lands. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. She's the one who has, like, resentment issues with her father who loved the lands more than her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her nephew who she's raising is a sad, tragic orphan. The sad, tragic orphan. Oh, God, it's, like, really tragic, actually. It's, like, horrible. Well, and Riff himself is a sad, tragic orphan. So yeah. we got a lot of sad, tragic orphans. Yeah. And then we, we have sins of the mother. We have several mothers who sinned. I'm thinking primarily, though, of Jessie's mom. Yeah. Because it also brought up that Jessie looks like her mother. Yeah. So- Everyone in the town, including her father, when he was alive, sort of pro- projected her mother's issues onto her. It's such a thing. It's such a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wanted a little, I wanted it to be explained a little more. Because I was, I'm still a little confused about it, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a subverted trope. So we call mm. out a lot when in historical romances, women have to wear pants. Yes. And then the guys like freak out because like, oh my God, her butt in pants. I can't. Right. So Jessie's like a very capable gunslinging ranch hand who's constantly protecting herself. And the first time he sees her in a dress, it's like, (gasps) although maybe this is like a, maybe this is a contemporary romance trope that we just aren't getting because we don't read contemporaries. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen that in movies. Like, the first time you see oh, a tomboy. In movies? Movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she, I mean, you can see it. She walks down, walks down the stairway, and he's like, mouth drops open. Like, I've never seen you not in glasses. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've never seen your hair up. 
or down, whichever. Or down. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, they they have carriage sex, but it's more like little red wagon sex. Yeah, it's like they have sex in a horse-drawn vehicle. Yes. But it's not, and they make it sexy, but it's not like an enclosed space where they're not driving. Right. Yes. Um, I called it out in my summary. He's basically Robin Hood. Like, he's a train robber, but he uses the money he steals to invest in black communities and then profits off the interest when they build schools, which how in the world that's a profitable enterprise, I don't know, but I don't care. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's like, I'm just going to lend money to this school so they can build a, excuse me, lend money to this uh, black town so they can build a school. Or a hospital. Or whatever, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, And then she has a, the the sheriff in town is corrupted, which is part of why she's so threatened. He had been an old close family friend and he does get redeemed in the text. And I, I like a lot of Western movies. And I think that's a trope that's pretty common in Westerns is the corrupt official who sees the air of his ways and does one good thing before fleeing town. Yeah. Before fleeing or before, you know, getting caught. Yeah. Yeah. In In this case, at least he didn't have to die. So. Right. All right. So, what do you think of the overall quality of this, Meg? Um, it's not. I'm gonna be honest. It's not my favorite. Um, I agree with Lane. So, in the notes, she said it got a little exposition heavy, which I agree with. Um, there was a lot of really interesting information in the text. So, like for example, the community where Jesse Rose lives was a town that was founded um, by free black men and women, right? Um, And these existed, like these were actual communities. Um, They're really interesting. Uh, But the way it's laid out, you don't learn it organically. Like it's really sort of explained to you in a paragraph um, about the town. And so- Or more, she has a young nephew she's taken care of, as we discussed earlier. And literally he is assigned a book report for school decides to write it on significant black and native American figures in history. And there's like a four page section where he narrates what he learned to write his book report to her when he's saying good night. I mean, basically you get, you get an, a 12 year old kid's book report. Two yeah. of them, two book reports. Like the facts are interesting, but they were not organic in the text at all. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that, I found the history really interesting. I wish that it had been more integrated into the text. Um, I will say, we've already talked about this, but basically I really like both Griff and, and Jesse Rose. I think they were really interesting characters. I really like them together. I also like them apart. Yeah, they they both had very, we call this out all the time, rich interior lives they both had wider social circles you felt like they were fully formed people yeah before they met each other and that they would continue to be even after they got together too you know yes they weren't neither one of them changed or was absorbed by the other yeah i mean griff changed his career it was like a career change really for griff (laughs) he went from Robin Hood to Sheriff, literally. I loved their obsession with bathing. Yes, Lane was really into it. 
well, and they don't like have bad sex. They have bad sexy time, but their baths are very focused on cleaning in a way yeah. that I appreciate. Well, and like, don't you appreciate that he, she, so this one day she decides to spend the whole day cleaning. Like it's laundry day, basically. And like laundry was an intense, chore like it wasn't it's not like how I do the laundry which is I put something in the uh, washing machine and then I watch a show for an hour and a half and then I get it I'm like and I have to put it in the dryer and then I get to watch the next episode you know <laughs> like that's not what Jesse Rose was doing um she got all sweaty and like really gross like it sounded horrible and he was like now it's time for you to take a bath and she's like oh but I I can't do it and he was like Jesse like go take a bath <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I was here for it. So this book, we liked their relationship. We liked their friendships. We liked the relationships they had with people trying to fix the town. She had some people in the town taking care of her who were both like old aunt type figures who were really funny. We've already said one was a witch and the other's a former prostitute. Yeah. Well, she's a current madam, right? So. Or current yeah, she's, yeah, she's the owner of the local tavern, yeah. and she supplies and, all the entertainments. And she um, 100%, she sees Griff, and she's like, hmm, if I was 20 years younger. <laughs> and this book, we would usually call it our usual. It does not do a good job of depicting whatever, the complexities of prostitution, but it's such a non-thing in this book. It's like, it's the former occupation of a tertiary character. So I don't really feel like we need to delve into that again. But yeah, they're, they're both really, really, really fun. The weakness is sort of the plot. Yeah. And then the way the conflict is resolved. The way it's resolved. Because I, I mean, I was fine with the plot, actually. Like, it, it's, I feel like it's a very... Um, tropey or typical western story which is the you know they're trying to run trying to run them off their land and someone wants to take over their ranch so there's cattle rustling and all kinds of stuff like that going on so I, I felt like fine with it and I was interested to see how it was going to be resolved but the way it was re resolved uh, I had major major issues with me too so I know Lane wants to remain spoiler free so, I mean, I guess I'll just say that. We'll save that, it for the end. We'll do a post. For people yeah. who are okay being spoilered, we'll do it at the end. Yeah, but um, I I had real issues with it. Lives were very tragic. Like, both of them had very, very tragic lives. I'm not going to lie. I almost didn't read this book after the first 15%, and I'm glad I did. Not because I thought it was terrible, but because I thought it was too friggin' sad. The yeah. prologue is a detailed description of he and his mother descending into poverty and her starving to death Yep. while having tuberculosis and like him talking about eating wallpaper. It's really awful and visceral and like well-written because I responded to it, but I was like, I don't want this in a romance novel. Yep. This is too far for me. Yeah. And then Jessie herself has a lot of like a lot of tragedy in her life, like some major major trauma as well that has happened to her uh, I mean one of the first things you learn is that um, she has a nephew who she's raising it's not like hidden in the text that the father of her nephew 
was also the man that Jesse ran with for a while. So basically she was the woman of her sister's man, right? Well, her Those sister's are, baby daddy. Her uh, sister's baby daddy. There you go. You know, her her sister got knocked up, died in childbed. Her mother died in a carriage accident throat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> then, you know, as a sort of as a part as to this tragedy, her sister kind of, you know, went down the wrong path and yeah, got knocked up by this outlaw. So it's an outlaw. Uh, and then you you know that Jesse also ran with Calico Bob, the, the outlaw. She ran with him for a while. You you don't find out exactly why or how that came to be, but I mean you know from the beginning that that these things happened in her life. So. And then her dad gets murdered, and she's left alone to raise her nephew while being assaulted by the worst people in town trying to steal her land. Like her life's hard. Yeah. And it was. It was constantly something you were reminded of. Yes. Yeah. And there and was, was a lot of things you were constantly reminded of. There was specifically a phrase that said, like, Jesse turned to her books and her sister turned to men. Yeah. That was said by, like, three different characters in the exact same way throughout the text. Yeah. And that's the most glaring example in my head, but it wasn't the only example. There's a lot of tell me, don't show me, and different characters at different times telling me in the exact same way. Yeah, well, it was like um, Griff's, so Griff, call, like any good lawman, calls up a posse, and a part of his posse are these two, these twins, they're called twins, and it said, they say, like, or I should say Jenkins writes at least five or six times that they're, they're like tricksters, they're the trickster twins, they're like the hyenas, or not the, not the hyenas, they're like the coyotes, you know, like of Indian lore. And I, I think like, they're okay. called the terrible twins. Yes, yes. And I was like, okay, I get it. These guys are pretty mischievous. <laughs> so, yeah. And I also just want to point out, there are so many dropped plot points in this book. And this is what I meant when I said I thought the plot was weak. Not that the core plot isn't engaging and I wasn't interested in finding out what happens. But as we said, he's sort of a seer in his dreams, but there's a dream he has where he has like a really awful chest injury. Oh, I attention is really called to it. And then that never happens in the book. And I didn't know why there were several pages about this imaginary chest injury. She eventually does open up to him about why she went off with Calico Bob and what happened during her time there. But she never touches on how and why she got away from him. Mm-hmm. He also has a former lover who was watching one of his many stashes of gold who is brought up several times in the text, but then you're, and she like wonders one day I want to get this story from him. And then it never happens in the text. You never get it. Yeah. You never find out. He says he has gold stashed with women all over the country. You never hear him mention the rest of his money ever again. And then even like the actual way that they brought down Reed felt anticlimactic because the book had really been building you up for like a gunfight yes that never happened that so never happened I just felt like there was a lot of wasted words building up tension and history that ended up never being relevant or revealed in the plot yeah yeah I I would have I love I do I mean if you listen to this podcast you know I love it when I tie everything up with a bow and have like a really funny little epilogue sitcom ending where everyone walks into the room and 
some something something is revealed, uh, and that it felt like it was building up to that, um, but it didn't deliver, unfortunately. So, did anything about this book offend you? Uh, yes, yes. Um, it is uh, it, it is a bit spoilery, so perhaps we should jump to sexiness first. So, um, did you think the book was sexy? I thought it was pretty darn sexy, actually. I did. I liked the two of them so much. I think it was more cute sexy than sexy sexy, but I like that. I, I agree with that. I agree that it was more cute sexy than, like, hot, you know? <laughs> but I, I, I agree. I liked it. This was, like... There was a lot of making out, which I liked, um, and I thought it really suited their relationship. She didn't want to go too far too fast, and he totally respected that. Just these things that I really liked about that. And then um, when they do get it on, just the, the fact that she's wearing, like, jeans and flannel shirt, I don't know. It just was, like, very – it added to the cute factor. Yeah, and, and it's – like I said, more than anything else, I just really bought them together. Yes, I did. I really thought they had a really nice relationship. I could see, I understood why they wanted to be with each other. I understood her reservations. Um, I understood him being like, well, I guess I'm not heading to Mexico. You know, <laughs> I really liked it. I liked them. So um, I think this is where we do spoiler tags. I will say if you just want the like keyword trigger warnings without spoilers, they are torture, lawmen behaving in ways that are not legal, but that being justified in the text, and um, rape that is very casually mentioned. Yeah. So those are the, that's the short version. Um, if you want to hear us delve into those issues and why they bothered us, stick around. All right, so let's... Uh, let's start with torture. So basically, there is there is this henchman who works for the the guy who's trying to run her out of town, and he is the one who actually did most of the dirty work. So he's the one who actually killed her father. His name is Percy. So he actually he's the one who almost killed her father. He's the one who's been coming by and um, stealing her cattle and things like that. Uh, so. To get him, they want to get him to confess because Griff is a U.S. Marshal and he actually becomes sheriff later in the book because he wins the election in town. So he's both sheriff and U.S. Marshal. And instead of putting him in jail and making him testify, giving him a, I mean, yes, plea, plea bargains didn't really exist, but he could have done it. Instead, what they do is take him back to her ranch, dig a hole, bury him alive with only his head sticking out, and then deprive him of food and water for two days. While shooting guns off near his head, tossing dirt in his face, dumping water on him, threatening to spray him with a skunk, it's, it's definitively in violation of the Geneva Convention. Yeah, and I... Exist at this time it did not exist at that time but it was definitely like it, it obviously any confession that you get out of that is not a real confession like come on um and, and then I after think, after they get his signed confession 
dig him out of the hole. They leave him hogtied for another few days. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think really what got to me the most is that it was played for laughs. Yes. Like even Jesse Rose is like, oh gosh, those terrible twins. They're just out there torturing Percy. <laughs> well, they were sort of helping torture him and that like, They'd eat out back within sight of him while depriving him of food and water. Like, yeah. And even when the real, not formal, former criminal lawmen show up at the end, they do say, like, don't do that again, but they're cracking jokes about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, shouldn't have done that, but, you know, he was a jerk. And it's just very much like, it doesn't matter how much of a jerk this guy was. You, You still shouldn't torture him, you know? It's just also unnecessary, like, this is a romance novel. There was no other way for somebody to get their comeuppance, really. Well, and plus, like, it really seemed to me like if they had said, look, you have two choices. Number one, we take you to jail because we know you killed this guy. Or number two, you testify against this other guy. Percy would have been like, yeah, I'm going to testify against him. Yeah, I I just don't understand why he held out against the torture for so long too like the whole thing was just like oh a joke about the worst and most afraid things you could do to this dude and it also made me like the heroes less yes exactly yeah mm-hmm. like these guys who are you were the whole book sort of makes you see the humanity and people who operate on the wrong side of the law especially yes. in corrupted towns in old west south america especially people of color trying to operate in corrupted towns. And I say that specifically other than black, because while the main cast is black, a lot of the supporting cast is native American. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're supposed to sympathize and then to like, let their outlaw side out by committing torture really did a lot to undermine the sympathy. Those characters had built yeah. even for the crimes they committed. Well, and there was this really interesting, there was this really interesting part, at least I thought it was really interesting, is that um, Jesse Rose's nephew collects wanted posters, mostly because these are the famous men of color that he can find. Like, I don't want to say they're his role models, but they are, they are men of color who are now known, right, throughout the country. And these are the only, these are the these his walls are plastered with these wanted posters and so I just thought it was I did think it was a really interesting thing and I I thought I just felt that once this whole torture thing happened a lot of the nuance was lost yes and so as we mentioned he's made a U.S. marshal in exchange for his freedom and he is able to deputize the other friends of his slash criminals he calls in to support him And the way that they not just enact justice with the torture, but the way they conduct their investigation is definitely outside the law as we understand it today. Yeah. And it felt like the text was trying to justify that behavior in a way, in a way that I found very uncomfortable. Yeah, I was I was really uncomfortable with it. And maybe it's because maybe it's because this is something that I've been trying to educate myself on lately you know this is something that I've been trying to read about and know about like when I'm watching uh when I'm watching Law and Order for example are they how many times are they not getting a warrant how many times are they slapping someone around like 
are we trying to normalize it? And the fact that I've been trying to be more conscious of it in other media really made it more obvious here. Yeah, and it, it's everything from kidnapping people out of their homes in the middle of the night and trying to get them to sign confessions without publicly arresting them to searching and seizing property without a warrant to allowing gawkers to come through and look at an incarcerated person. It all just feels very, for lack of a better word, corrupt. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like one of the things that happens is um, Reed's men come and vandalize Jesse's property. Well, to get back at them, Griff, who's now the sheriff, goes in town and, like, throws some... He wasn't the sheriff at that point. He was not the sheriff yet. But he goes back into town and he just destroys a lot of Reed's property, which, okay. But also he's like, come and arrest me. Well, yeah, and that too. (laughs) Yeah, it just, I think a lot of the things that even, even, like, getting into a fight because someone threatened your loved one, which in a lot of other romance novels I would have justified mm-hmm. and wouldn't have, it wouldn't have bothered me in this context because he was a lawman. Yes. It did bother me here. It, it added, it it added like an extra element. power more yes. than like personal vendetta, even though that's what it was. Exactly. Um, okay. Um, and last but not least, this is me hitting the same notes I hit a lot. She was given away by her father slash kidnapped by the guy who knocked up her sister and kept as a slave doing all the cooking and cleaning for 18 months. But don't worry because he only raped her twice. Yeah. And this is literally thrown in as like a half page story that enables her to make her final confession to make sure he'll still love her before he marries her. And she, and he used it as a moment of like, you are so strong for overcoming all of that. Are you ready to move forward? And she's like, yes, I am ready to move forward with you. And like, whatever, fine. I'm not saying her life needs to be shaped by her trauma going forward, but like, I don't know. That was a hell of a story that I felt like one wasn't necessary at that point. They'd already faced tons of adversity and overcome it. And two, like, also, if you're going to throw a story like that into the text, it can't just be your, like, oh, shock, wow factor moment. Yeah. Well, and I felt like the whole the whole part where she was like, we only had sex twice. Like, they didn't even have to have sex. The whole, the fact that her father gave her away to this criminal. Um, so why did her father give her away? It was because Calico Bob, the father of her nephew, came to, to get him. And basically he said, fine, if I will leave the, my son here. If I can get something else in exchange, I'll take Jesse. Uh, and Jesse went, I mean, her father was basically like, go. And Jesse mm-hmm. went, in quotation marks, willingly. But I feel like, you know, if, if it's all about power, um, the, the whole fact that she left with him and stayed with him, you know, seemingly willingly ruined her reputation already like you didn't well, have to throw her in the race. because her father rather than telling the whole town Kyle yeah. Bob came for Jesse we should get her back he told the whole town she went willingly and was now this guy's like concubine 
Yeah. It was really fucked up. And it like for all the layers of fuckery tied into that, this book did not do a good job justifying it. And it was not necessary to the context of the plot at all. Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> so that I mean that was a lot. There's a lot of a lot of trigger warnings for this book. And the thing is, for all of that, I didn't hate it. I liked more than half of the book, and I really like the two of I really like the two of them together. Yeah, I, I, in general, other than his corrupt cop aspect, I really liked Griff a lot. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be one of those books where I just kind of pretend the end never happened. Right. Exactly. That's just like totally what I would do. I'd be like, you know. I'm going to forget purposely that there was like a, a criminal portion of the plot. And it just happened to be that Griff was looking for some work, came and met Jesse Rose and they fell in love. And it was a cute love story. It was really cute. It was such a cute love story. It really was. And it, but this was also definitely different from a lot of other things I've read. And I did learn a lot mm-hmm. about Texas history because especially being from the Northeast, I don't think I learned a lot about, the South in school period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Other than the Confederates were the enemy. Like, I really don't think it was covered. And so that's a, obviously a huge, uh, this is a digression, but that's obviously something really missing in the educational curriculum, at least when I was growing up. So it was fun to get that exposure to something I don't know how I would have encountered otherwise. Exactly. I mean, you definitely feel like Jenkins did her homework. Um, And she knows a lot about the history. Um, And like I said, it was, it is very interesting history. That is like pretty new. I think would be new to most people reading this book. Well, and even a lot of it isn't about like the Civil War. A lot of it's about the Texas War for Independence, which Mm -hmm. other than the phrase, remember the Alamo, I don't think I ever learned anything about. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So definitely, if you're in the mood for a really historical, heavy historical romance, and you like Old West outlaw, redeemed type tales, this is a fun one. Yeah, check it out. Thanks so much for listening.